CTM Senior Comms Manager and I'm here with another podcast episode. This time it's for our secondary maths teaching colleagues and leaders in secondary schools. I'm talking today to Paula Kelly and Tom Lumley who both teach maths at secondary schools in Yorkshire and have other roles and we're focusing particularly on how and why schools that already have successful maths departments can and should adopt teaching for mastery approaches it can be a bit scary to make changes if things are going well, but Tom and Paula can both talk about how and why becoming mastery specialists and adopting mastery department-wide has enhanced their department's already huge success. So, Paula, if you'd like to go first and introduce yourself for our listeners. Uh, hi, so I currently work at a secondary school in Yorkshire. It's a really high-performing, outstanding school, and they're four days a week. And then one day a week, I work on the maths PGC course at university. Thank you. And Tom, what about you? Yeah, so I teach most of my time at a South Hemsley School in East Yorkshire, just outside of Brough. Um, but I also run the secondary side of our SKIT uh, programme. And I do uh, quite a lot of work, for leading work groups for the NC ETM and maths hubs. And um, at, like Paul, I'm also a secondary mastery specialist and I'm c currently going through the school profession, the school development lead programme as well. Fantastic. So you're both now experienced teachers, familiar with the work of maths hubs and you've been teaching in your schools for a number of years. Paula, when you decided to become a mastery specialist, how did that come about? Tell us a little bit about your journey. So part of my role at school is working with our feeder primary schools and sort of that transition that we have. And noticed more and more the primary schools are so far on with their mastery work and things like bar modelling. I just thought year seven come to us, myself certainly and people in our department wouldn't be that confident with that approach. And I felt like we're being left behind almost. So I just thought if I can get ahead of this and then do it as part of the NCTM programme where you have a chance to try it yourself then try your department, it just seems a really good opportunity to get some really good quality subject-specific CPD. So that was the impetus behind it. And what would you say have been the benefits, first of all, to you as an individual, to you as, as a classroom practitioner? Oh, loads of things. So I've been teaching for a long time and obviously you get kind of a routine and your habit of doing different things. So just seeing a bit of a not necessarily a new way of teaching just how to adapt what you're doing already and it just it really made me think about how I was teaching things so things like when you're frustrated perhaps that students are awful with their fraction arithmetic of course they are because they see it in the sort of silos um and then I did some of the mastery training and just seeing someone um looking at area and labeling side lengths with integer values decimals and then fractions I didn't know why to clean my mind. I thought, why am I not doing this? And it made me excited about teaching and having some really good quality CPD. It gave me an opportunity to think about what I'm really keen to go back and try in the classroom. And obviously you, you were hugely enthusiastic about it yourself. When you were in the early stages of becoming a mastery specialist and part of that was introducing it to your department, did you experience the same enthusiasm? Was there any anxiety about what was perceived as making changes to something that was already successful? H how did that work, rolling it out across the department? 
Yeah, I think that's one of those things I'm quite apprehensive about. So I was really happy to have one develop myself and then trying to work through a department or even to go to other schools is quite intimidating. But I think because I experienced myself, just the success of it and how much more interest it gave me in my subject teaching, I was able to convey that. And as well, we had the approach of us as a department. We are doing really well. Things are really good. It's not a criticism. It's not changing everything. It's a development of what we're doing. And because we did it in a collaborative way, we tried things out. We were quite open and sort of said, I could be better at this, or I found this useful, I found this difficult. I think we had a good atmosphere in that it wasn't sort of, what you're doing is wrong, change everything. It was very much kind of collaboratively, can we develop this? Are you interested in this? So I think working together on it and being quite open about what things are more challenging, that was really useful. And was that a similar experience for you, Tom? Was it something as an experienced teacher that you thought, great, this will really help kind of refresh my practice? And, and did you experience similar uh, kind of activities with your department when you were encouraging them to get on board with the ideas too? Um, yeah, yeah, to a very large extent, I, I would agree. But um, when I first joined the department here, there was a really, really inspirational teacher who was really already immersed in um, you know, um, she went to, you know, the maths conferences with the ATM, the maths association. She was really at the cutting edge and she had already done. And she wasn't the head of department. She was just a really experienced teacher. But um, she'd already done a lot of work with the department around bar modelling. And this was like really quite early on. I'm talking around 2011, 2012, 2013, which is, you know, quite um, in advance of other people. So I found that to an extent that inspired me to want to find out more when I started this role. Um, the teaching school that is affiliated with our school had contact with Maths Hubs and I started doing work for them. And then by getting to know the Maths Hub, they, they said, do you want to do you want to train to be a mastery specialist then? And I thought, well, this is this is an intersection of a Venn diagram. I'd really like to be quite a part of quite a big part of really. So um, I left at the chance for that. And in terms of apprehension, I think a bit like Paula, I was initially selfishly I thought this is going to be great for me I, I will really enjoy immersing myself in this and reflecting on my practice and, and I genuinely did I thought it, it was it was transformational I've got many similar stories to Paula where you just have those like light bulb moments you go oh wow this is amazing but then you realize the effect it's having on your students and your students have that deeper more profound understanding as well I, I definitely also shared Paula's apprehension about though oh how's this going to go when I start suggesting it to other people because you know, as a profession, maths teachers can be a little bit prickly around sort of, but I already know this, you're telling me I'm doing it wrong. I've encountered very, very little of that. I have to say that generally people welcome the opportunity to just have a discussion. Um, you know, uh, and I think we are very aware that we have a way of doing it, but most teachers would never be so arrogant to say, and my way is the best way, because nobody absolutely myself included and all this nobody knows all of the ways so how can you know if yours is the best way so I find that that opportunity to have those discussions around different approaches um, and different ways of doing it and all the different aspects of teaching for mastery I think has been really really productive and has been genuinely really really enjoyable to to have those to have those discussions, to be afforded that time to have the discussions with colleagues has been a genuine privilege. And what would you say would be um, maybe two or three of the changes that have taken place in your department so far as a result of adopting mastery? I, I think 
as a result of following on from my sort of predecessor's work, she wasn't a massive specialist, but was immersed in that. We've now got um, sort of bar modeling approaches embedded um, into our work. And we're particularly gratified to see, um, for example, on the AQA GCSE exam mark schemes, how that's now kind of recognized as viable methods for, for solving a lot of proportional reasoning type questions. Um, so definitely use of, of bar modeling. Um, uh, bar modeling in a wider range of contexts, and that includes uh, percentage, percentage bars, percentages, fractions, decimals, obviously ratio, proportion, um, and it's now kind of the expected way that we teach it. Um, uh, the, another really big approach is in the wider trust where I've where I've worked. We've had some schools have have embraced it much more than others, but the use of algebra tiles or you know uh, number tiles, positive, negative number tiles, as a consistent approach to the teaching of uh, directed numbers. Um, uh, so that that's been really really quite profound to the point where some of the schools now trust now have sets of algebra tiles in every classroom uh, to to afford that, and that's as a direct result of the mastery program. Yeah, I think I've second part of that, Tom. I was making some notes. I was just thinking as you were talking, but again, like that idea of having those um, directed number through counters and the idea of zero pairs is so nice. And when you have one of those light bulb things we're talking about, when you expand brackets and say you have x plus five all squared, and students want to write x squared plus twenty-five, and you want to scream, think. I don't have to be clearer about this, but actually, if you can show with algebra tiles, it makes so much sense and that links to their work on grid multiplication and just all these different things that make so much sense when you've been given some support on how to teach things for a bit more understanding. Because even things like we would talk about perhaps um, like the polygons and previously I would have said, oh, what's a polygon? Oh, it's like a shape with any number of sides. Whereas now you talk about, oh, it's going to have straight sides and you show what it is and what it isn't. And just all those different conversations that without this kind of extra support, I wouldn't have known to have with students. And you can see the extra depth of understanding students have got. They know it's going to be straight sides. It can't be curved. It's going to be a closed. They can tell you what it is. They can tell you what it isn't. That's been so fantastic. And even like conversations of, you know, previously I was talking about the mean, for example, You'd have loads of sets of numbers, find the mean of these sets of numbers, that's fine. Whereas now we talk about right, all the numbers have doubled, what's happened to the mean? If I put this number in, what effect does it have on the mean? So just that a lot richer understanding and lessons, it's been so nice. And you, you've obviously had those light bulb moments, Paula and, and Tommy as well. When it's come to sharing that kind of information with your department, has that been through formal department meetings, through conversations in in shared PPA time how, how have you both gone about rolling out that kind of information and that training and support to your departments I think I wouldn't have had their own approach to it but I think often the barrier to do this is time and everyone's so tight for time no one has any time so because we had some of the funding to take part in this we were able to say would you mind having a twilight as a department and people are obviously reluctant everyone's busy but then we're able to say, you can claim back this hour with this funding and do it more flexibly. And that way people have got you know, the time to take part in this. And that was really useful. And I think rather than sort of saying, right, we're all going to start teaching directed number using these um, counters. I think by starting with, this is one approach, what do you notice about it? Have a really open conversation. People are engaged in that and want to go and try it out. 
and we tried to make sure we linked you know what we're looking at to what's coming up on our scheme so it felt like we're not just looking at an arbitrary topic we're looking at you teaching this next week do you want to try it this way and then we'll come back and feed back so it, it's about very productive use of time we're really interesting to have that time together to talk about how we teach maths because you never get that time so it's worth that investment of people's time because the benefits then for them will be seen in their lessons and, and with the students in front of them. Yeah, really quickly as well. And what about for you, Tom? And um, well, I'm a year. Be I, I was trained a year after Paula, so my year of working with my department fell in the lockdown year. So that presented slightly different challenges because we weren't actually in school for a lot of it. Um, but what I found was that that um the, the colleagues I was working with were really, really keen to have those conversations so we were you know on teams and uh, checking in with each other um talking about different ways but what was actually quite nice was that when I was teaching a lesson and even when I was teaching remotely I was making like use of my visualizer and I had algebra tiles underneath it and I had like math spot for different representations um and I was bar modeling the heck out of everything on PowerPoints and 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 whatever else I could get my hands on. But because it was done through through teams, which is what our school is using, we um, I could invite those teachers to come and watch those lessons. They could just effectively be, be a student in those lessons. They, they got practical experience and actually in many ways it was easier to arrange um, peer observations than it would have been if we would have been in school. So although it wasn't great being able to actually get together around a table, which I still think is is something that you can't easily replicate. Um, there were advantages to it. And then, of course, once I've created something, whether it's a, a resource or a, a, a smart board or a, a PowerPoint or whatever else, it was then just uh, sharing it around and a bit like Paula. I, I think that the key thing to engaging the department is to make it directly relevant. You know, it's one thing to say, OK, I picked this random topic. I'm going to talk about it. It's quite another thing to say, right, we're all going to be teaching this in the next two or three weeks. Here's a resource. Here's an approach. How about thinking about using this? And hey, presto, I've done some of your planning for you. Uh, you're then pushing an open door, I think. Definitely. And and obviously, you've both experienced huge successes in your departments. Um, have there been any moments of um, resistance or challenge or where you thought oh we're going to have to go back to the drawing board here has there been any any barrier that you've, you've had to overcome and, and how have you done that i think time is the main thing but then also as well i think it's people's confidence because like you say people are experienced they're great teachers they know what they're doing they're doing a great job i think questioning that a little bit and just questioning what you do yourself is difficult and if you I think it's how you approach things as you're working together as a department, not I'm going to lead to our department, I'm great at this, everyone copy me. It's not that at all. I think just having that chance to like do some collaborative planning, go and try it and then come back and feedback what's gone well and what hasn't got well. And just have the atmosphere where you can be quite open and say things haven't gone well. So we had like, um, we were looking at developing fluency, for example. And we had all these different ways of finding a percentage of an amount. I thought, this is brilliant. There's so many different ways. It's going to be really good. And then tried it once in a lesson. It was really awful. I went really flat on his face. But I think having that conversation of, I think actually we tried to do too much too soon. I'm going to tweak it. We're going to try it again and have a perfect longer process rather than, you know, it's all success. The complete silver bullet. Just having that kind of openness in your department and the confidence to try something. And it's not always going to go really well. And that's fine. 
What about you, Tom? Was there, were there any moments of uh, challenge that you had to overcome? Um, very few, in in all honesty. I mean, the the, the two that spring to mind. Uh, one is when I was doing some support work in in another school, and there was definitely some hostility, so raised hackles, as it, you know, um, that are you trying to tell me how to do my job? Are you saying what I'm currently doing isn't good enough? Um, but my results are okay, so why why change anything? And I think that's where. Uh, as a mastery specialist, your sort of emotional intelligence comes in, where you just need to, you know, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that, and you're just getting them on side, and you're just presenting an alternative approach, um, but possibly pointing out the benefits of yours as opposed to pointing out the weakness of their current approach um, can be really, really beneficial. Um, but that's been very, very rare, very few and far between. I have to say that ultimately that person uh, became one of our strongest advocates, and it was really, really. Uh, won over, but there's there's sometimes that initial hurdle to overcome, um, because particularly people who've been teaching for quite a long time can be quite set in the ways and therefore potentially resistant to change. Um, but when you ha genuinely have conversations, the conversations are not, I'm trying to tell you how to do your job. Let's just have a chat about why why do we do things in a certain way, and are there other ways, and let's compare them. At what are the advantages and disadvantages? And I think the other experience I had, which came to mind, very much echoes what Paula said, which I would probably categorise best as possibly over-enthusiasm by participants, where they think, this is marvellous, this is wonderful, I'm going to do all of this. And they change everything about the teaching, they fully embrace mastery, but they're very much running before they can walk, I think. And then some things do begin to fall down. And also, I think we need to be honest about this, this is not going to be transformational overnight. This is not, as Paul says, it's not a silver bullet, but what it will do, it will have a lasting long-term effect on greater retention, a deeper understanding, and a greater interconnectedness of mathematical concepts in the minds of our learners. Um, but that's something that you will notice over time, but it's not something you're going to see by the end of the week or early next week. And also, it can be quite difficult to quantify. Um, you will know it when you've been in a school where it's been embedded because the students are more confident, they have that more interconnected um, set of knowledge and understanding. They're more willing to attempt to get started on un unfamiliar situations because they've got that fluency and that portability of knowledge into different contexts. Um, but it, I think baby steps, I think that, that coherence is, is absolutely really, really an important step of it, where we, we are doing it little by little in a sensible, coherent, coherent way, as opposed to trying to do everything all at once. Because that, although I love the enthusiasm, I think sometimes we need to, you know, just put the brakes on just a little bit. So there are clearly benefits to you as individuals, to your departments, and of course, from what you've both been saying to the students in front of you. A head teacher might say, well, why would I want uh, one of my really great maths teachers to be out of school to then be going out to other departments? I need them in front of my students here. What argument would you put to that? What would you say the advantages to your school of being a, a local leader of maths education and a mastery specialist? Go on, Tom. Um, I actually have this conversation with my, with my head teacher and um, I have to say that um, actually the, the CEO of our academy trust who oversees quite a number of secondaries and he says um I would rather have you in school 95% of the time than have somebody who is really stuck in the ways and resistant to change and teaching how maths was taught 30 years ago 100% of the time 
And actually, if you being out 5% of the time means you can come and cascade that knowledge and improve the practice of everybody else in the school, um, then why wouldn't I want to do that? He says the cost to us is very, very small. Um, your classes more than make up for the time that you're going to be out because of the extra knowledge you're getting through the training, the experiences you're getting through the NCTM net networks, the Maths Hubs networks, the LLMA me meetings. So why wouldn't I want to do that? I would be a fool if I didn't do that. And that's exactly the conversation I, I have with, with my CEO. It, it sounds so obvious when you put it like that, doesn't it? <laughs> What, what about for you, Paula? Is it is it a similar support from your leaders in your school? Yeah, they're really, thankfully, really supportive. And I know that isn't the case everywhere. And it's not been the case for the advocates that I've worked with. Um, but it is that argument of you're developing that culture because you're in the department, not external the department. You're in your own department developing that culture of continual development. You're still driving forward that change and improvement. You know, you can't get someone external to that for you. And also, the kind of culture you've developed, I think as well, it's quite a strong argument for, you know, trying to retain really high quality staff. If you've got staff who are just perhaps not very inspired because they're doing the same thing all day every day, you get a bit switched off. Whereas, if you're enabling someone to take part in some really high quality CPD, they're a lot happier. They're passing on to their department. The department gets a lot happier. And that's really useful. But also as well, thinking about any kind of middle leadership opportunities, they're so rare in terms of maths. You know, lots of big departments, there's one second in the department, it's quite hard to get responsibility. So if you have people that are looking for their next steps in responsibility, it's a good thing to get involved with. And just an opportunity for people to try and lead some change in their own department. So if you're working with some advocates and they're looking for and able to sort of show the kind of impact and change the department, then becoming mastery advocates is really, really useful for them as well. Indeed, thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure to hear from both of you today, to hear about your own journeys in mastery, to success in your schools, and to hear about the work that you're doing with other schools and the benefits to your school of, of having you there as a local leader of maths education. If people are interested in finding out about Teaching for Mastery in their secondary school, in their maths department, go on the NCTM website, search Secondary Mastery Development Workgroups or get in touch with your local maths hub. There are still spaces available in development workgroups for secondary schools next year and maths hubs are really keen to hear from secondary schools, to welcome back secondary schools who've been part of the programme in the past and to offer these opportunities to all secondary schools teaching maths in England. Thank you both very, very much and uh, I hope everybody has enjoyed listening. Thank you.